This is a Giving Thought podcast from the Charities Aid Foundation's think tank, Giving Thought. Hello, you're listening to episode 16 of the Giving Thought podcast. Uh, This is a podcast in which we look at issues of the day affecting philanthropy and civil society in the news and beyond, brought to you by Charities Aid Foundation's Think Tank Giving Thought. Uh, I'm your host, Rod Davis. And since this is the first episode of the the new era of the Giving Thought podcast, um, as my erstwhile former co-host and colleague Adam Pickering has now departed for pastures new um i thought i'd do something a bit different uh, today rather than our sort of standard uh three-part structure um i'm going to kick off the new year um looking at some predictions that i'm going to make because you know i like to nail my colors to the mast so that i can look back at the end of the year and see precisely how wrong i am and also this just gives me a, a chance to to keep things going while we uh iron out what's going to happen in the longer term with the podcast um hopefully at some point this year we'll either get on board a permanent co-host or get some kind of rolling co-hosts and start doing some more um interviews but uh watch this space for that anyway yeah in terms of predictions for 2018 um i guess i'm going to keep these pretty high level uh because the less detail i put in them uh, the easier it'll be to uh, fudge them later when it turns out that I wasn't quite right. Um, but I thought there were a couple of things that uh, picked up on trends that we'd already seen last year and probably before that that I think are going to prove to be quite a big deal in the world of philanthropy, charity, civil society uh, in 2018. Um, the first one, I think, uh, is tax. Um now, this is currently a pretty hot issue in the US where um, the tax bill that has just been uh, voted through in the Senate um, contains some measures about quite significantly changing the charitable deduction uh, in the US that are getting nonprofits over there quite steamed up. Um, in a nutshell, uh, the way the tax brackets are going to change uh, will have quite a determinate effect on the value uh, of the t- charitable deduction for for very wealthy people, and also they're going to increase the size of the standard um, deduction, which will mean that more people fall inside that, and therefore don't have the opportunity to to itemise, so they won't be using the specific charitable deduction. And charities are obviously quite worried about that. Um, so it's definitely worth keeping an eye on that because I think debate about charitable tax reliefs tends to be had in its most sophisticated form in the US. Well, I don't mean by sophisticated that it's necessarily highbrow. I just mean that the uh, the discussion it tends to be uh, further along um, because the philanthropy industry is just that much more uh, developed over there. Um, but then back uh, in the UK as well, I think we're probably going to see a bit more focus on um, the kind of theoretical justification of tax breaks which might excite some of you but probably not many 
Um, only because quite recently it was announced that the uh, Scottish government was going to take uh, advantage of newly devolved powers to change the rate of income tax in Scotland. Um, so they are bringing down, I believe, um, the rate of basic, uh, the basic rate of income tax, and raising uh, the higher rate. Um, might be wrong on that. Um, but it, but in any case, what it means is that obviously because gift aid, the the main uh, charitable deduction for donors over here in in the UK, is pegged or is exactly related with the um, the rate of income tax, uh, the value of gift aid will change now that wouldn't necessarily be a problem this has happened in the past in the uk you know when the value of when the the rate of tax goes up the value of gift aid increases and vice versa the difference this time is that power over income tax rates has been devolved but gift aid remains a central government concern so there's going to be a disparity potentially between the the rate of tax in the uk uh, in Scotland and the rest of the UK and the value of gift aid so quite what is going to happen whether the centralized administration of gift aid will have to split into two and and deal differently with Scottish charities as it, than it does with ones in England and Wales is very unclear at the moment but it could potentially throw some pretty big questions up about the sort of fundamental link between gift aid and um, income tax uh, which is a kind of central pillar of the, the government's whole uh, approach to, to that. So watch this space. Um, another big area where I think there's going to be a lot happening this year is around advocacy and campaigning. Um, again, in the US, um, we flagged up in the very first episode of this podcast uh, in 2017, um, the situation with the Johnson Amendment, which uh, if you have forgotten all about that is a piece of US tax law that prohibits registered um, non-profits over there from supporting or campaigning against a candidate for elected public office. Um, and Trump promised to get rid of that, and it looks like he is going to follow through on it. Um, so a lot of non-profits are now really quite concerned about that happening. Again, if you'll remember, the reason being that they're concerned that a lot of dark money that at the moment is going into politics via things like super PACs will actually end up coming into their bit of the non-profit sector and thereby potentially eroding public trust quite significantly. I think also here in the, the UK we've seen our own problems over the last few years with advocacy and campaigning and the shape of the, the lobbying act and advocacy clauses um, being put into government uh, grant uh, contracts saying that the charities who receive contractual funding can't advocate as well uh, for policy change and that's happened very recently with the money that's been distributed um, through uh, VAT refunded on women's sanitary goods or tampon tax as it was otherwise known. I think we will see more controversy over that and I think also a growing sense from the charity sector that perhaps over the last 15 or 20 years the balance of rhetoric and focus has been too heavily skewed towards service delivery and public service contracting and that actually there's going to be a recognition of the need to get back to a more kind of fundamental position of advocating on behalf of their beneficiaries even if that makes life more difficult and relations more strained with government. Um, I think at a global level, we're also, unfortunately, going to see a lot more of the closing space for civil society phenomenon around the world. 
So this is the trend whereby governments are clamping down on the ability of uh, people to freely associate or to use civil society structures to advocate against government policy. Um, and we're already seeing a lot of repression like that, and I suspect that's going to get worse over the coming year. Um, I think another area where there's going to be a lot of focus in philanthropy is around impact. Um, it's been a buzzword for a few years now, but I think there are signs of an interesting divergence around impact where some people are sort of doubling down on impact and going ever more towards the need to measure impact and report it rigorously. But some people are starting to push back on the notion that we should measure impact and that's the be all and end all of everything. And this is fragmenting the the nonprofit and charity sector. So there are those, for instance, uh, who are interested in social investment or impact investing, who are obviously very, uh, very hot on the idea of impact. Um, similarly, movements like effective altruism uh, are bringing the same uh, idea of the need for rigor to more traditional philanthropy. But then at the same time, there are people saying that actually what's more important is sort of storytelling and narrative and having clarity um, about how you are working over time to, to affect systemic change uh, on behalf of those you're seeking to serve. And there are also people, frankly, who I think are just starting to take a slightly Luddite view. They're quite bored of being told that they need to record and report their uh, impact um, and uh, they've been getting on fine without doing this for many years thank you very much uh, and they'll just continue to do that and I suppose there is some practical truth in the fact that it's often expensive to record impact and difficult and at a time when a lot of organizations are finding funding very hard to come by it's quite difficult to ask them to plow lots of money into expensive measurement systems so I suspect we will see those two tr trends continue to, to diverge over the coming year um, another thing in the philanthropy uh, space that I think we'll see a lot more focus on is the uh, sustainable development goals. Um, I was lucky enough to take part in an event at the end of last year that CAF um, jointly uh, organised with Wilton Park, which is a, an offshoot of the, the Foreign and Commonwealth Office in the, the UK, uh, where we spent three days in a very pleasant uh, stately home down in uh, uh, Sussex. Um, discussing the role that philanthropy could play um, in supporting and delivering the SDGs. Um, and I think there, there's a growing sense that even if they are not themselves perfect, they are by far the best available option we have in terms of a kind of shared framework to talk about cross-cutting goals and methods of measurement. Um, and also companies and countries and all sorts of agencies are committed to delivering them within quite a tight time frame and that you know philanthropy will be expected to, to step up and play its part in that so there needs to be a lot more clarity about what that part is. The last thing I think we'll see in terms of philanthropy is probably even more use of non-standard structures so we saw um, earlier this year possibly even announced at the end of the year before the um, decision by Mark Zuckerberg and Priscilla Chan to make a very large commitment of Facebook uh, shares to to their philanthropic vehicle of Chan Zuckerberg uh, initiative but to structure it as um, a limited liability partnership a non uh, philanthropic vehicle 
because they wanted to retain flexibility um, over how, the sorts of things that they could give to, including, I think, political advocacy and investing in commercial ventures. And I suspect we will see more of that from uh, donors from, from the tech sector and from other sectors who um, are starting to think in much broader ways about the way in which they can achieve their philanthropic goals. The other area I wanted to, to look at quite specifically, uh, partly because I think it's interesting, partly because I spend a lot of time uh, doing stuff on it, and also it lends itself well to predictions, um, is around technology. Um, so, you know, we've obviously been doing a lot of work at CAF for a couple of years now on the impact of various disruptive technologies on philanthropy and civil society. I think there's going to be some interesting trends to discern there over the coming year. Um, I think a very big one is around data and ID. Um, I think people are increasingly aware that the the kind of ever greater personalization of uh, services through technology platforms comes at a cost, and that cost is loss of control over their own personal data, and that actually a lot of these companies that are amongst the biggest in the world, the reason they are is because they get all of this data for free and make a lot of money out of it. Um, so I think growing awareness of that might become quite a big mainstream issue. Um, also, in more practical terms, the uh, the introduction of the Generalised um, Data Reporting Requirement, or GDPR, uh, in May 2018 is already causing a, a massive kerfuffle in all sorts of areas, and there are lots of seminars going on about what GDPR means for this, that, and the other. But I think basically nobody is entirely certain what it means um, and that includes people in the the charity and non-profit sector so i suspect there will be um you know many cases where people get things wrong uh, and there could be some significant fines handed out um which are going to be quite a lot higher than than previously um the other area around data i'd expect to see uh more development is around open data and um, we've already seen some some good stuff happen in the charity and non-profit sector around opening up data sets on need and on uh, impact and on grant making um i would hope that that converges with what's going on in the commercial and public sector and that ever more data is made available in a consistent and readable and usable format because you know we're repeatedly told nowadays that data is the new oil um, and certainly if we want to get things like machine learning working at scale uh, then we need absolutely vast reams of data um, so yeah that brings me on to the next big trend which is the the further development of artificial intelligence um, of which machine learning is the kind of the the big thing at the moment um, i think we'll start to see more machine learning being deployed um, for social good, possibly by traditional charities or possibly by startups. You know, once those data sets are in place, the question then becomes, okay, what do we do with them? Uh, and using uh, machine learning algorithms that are able to possibly in, uh, find trends that, that we've never been able to see before and use those then to deliver more effective uh, services and interventions, uh, is something that we will see quite a lot more of, I think. Um, on the practical side, I think we'll also see a lot more use of uh, bots of one form or another. Those might be chat bots used to deliver services um, for beneficiaries, so advice services on particular conditions, um, that kind of thing. 
or it might be sort of more generic customer service bots just designed to help people navigate charity websites or to to tell them how to access the information services that, that they are looking for. I think the other thing that that leads on to is um, a growing awareness of the importance of conversational uh, AI. So we're starting to see a lot of interfaces that are voice operated. So Amazon's Alexa, Google's Home, Amazon's Siri, um, and all these Microsoft's Cortana. Um, and so far, there are some interesting examples of experiments and pilots to try and make it possible to, to give to charity through these. But they're quite simple and reactive, um, and I suspect we will see some much more sophisticated ones developing uh, over the coming year. Um, at a kind of bigger picture level around AI, I think there's a couple other things that, that will be a big deal. One is that there will be an ever greater focus on the ethics of artificial intelligence. Um, I think we've already started to hear a lot about things like algorithmic bias, um, the ways in which algorithms that operate on data sets with uh, historic statistical biases in them get very biased very quickly um, and I think there will be uh, an awareness uh, or there will be a need for charities to develop greater awareness of that. I think there's also kind of wider ethical debates about uh, things like bias but also automation and the impact that will have on the future of work that are going on at the moment and various groups are being convened and I think it's important that charities find a way of getting their voice into those debates so that they can represent the marginalised communities and individuals that they're supposed to be representing. Um, on another technology that's gone a bit quiet recently, um, virtual and augmented reality, um, I think ever since the uh, the massive explosion of Pokemon Go into people's uh, consciousness a, a year or so ago, um, that's kind of been slightly overtaken by uh, AI and blockchain. But I, sus I suspect we'll see a resurgence of virtual and augmented reality because um, I think there are a few versions of the technology that will push things forward uh, quite a lot that are just about to come to market. Um, I also think it's an area where, again, we'll see a greater focus on the ethical issues around behaviour within virtual worlds and how this relates to acceptable behaviour in the real world and the impact that spending time in virtual environments can have on individuals in terms of desensitising them or making them feel alienated. So, again, watch that space, that virtual space, I suppose. And then... Coming on finally to the the one that's probably uh, got the most hype at this exact moment uh, and is close to my heart, uh, blockchain and cryptocurrency. Um, certainly in the latter few months of 2017, uh, we've seen a huge spike of interest in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as the value has gone up and then very suddenly back down and then up and then down again. Um, and I suspect you know we will see more people uh, at a retail level trying to get into the cryptocurrency market next year. Whether or not it represents a long-term bubble, I don't know, but I suspect it'll keep going for long enough to people to still want to pile into it. And hopefully we will see more people trying to, to give uh, cryptocurrency. There are a lot of people out there sitting on huge reserves of value uh, that has grown up in a very short space of time. Uh, and one would assume some of them might be happy to give some of it away. So finding ways to tap into those people and helping them to get it to good causes seems quite important. Um, 
I think on the wider blockchain side, uh, we'll see quite a few more blockchain-based giving platforms coming to market, um, possibly through token offerings and sort of ICO model, or possibly just uh, you know more kind of straightforward product launches. Some of those might well take off. Uh, some of them might fizzle out. Uh, there's going to be a question about how many of them the market can sustain uh, and there's a danger as I've said before that if everybody tries to do their own thing you'll segment a small market too many ways from the outset and nobody will win but it's possible also that you know someone will prove to be dominant and, and to provide the best offering and they'll corner the market so let's see. Um, I think the other thing that we'll see in the blockchain space uh, as well is new types of uh, crypto assets so we saw this year um, the kind of explosion of crypto tokens through ICOs uh, and then more amusingly towards the end of the year was the uh, creation of crypto kitties which are blockchain based cats basically which are uh, you can trade a bit like Tamagotchis um, which seems frivolous and and is but uh, more interestingly, um, it actually represents a new kind of token um, that is a unique, non-fungible digital object. And that's actually really interesting um, and something that we're seeing in other places like the esports market, which is a whole huge market of people who play computer games and like to trade skins, which are kind of the things they use within within those games, whether those are weapons or kind of uh, armor or just the way that their avatar looks um, and there's very big markets going on in those and there's the potential to tap into some of these markets to get people to give these things to charity I would expect. Um, so that's a whistle-stop tour of my predictions for 2018. Um, maybe I'll come back this time next year for another prediction show see whether I got any of them right. Um, in the meantime, uh, I'm going to return probably in the next episode to more of our standard format, try and uh, pick a theme and go through it. And then, as I say, um, over the course of the next few months, we'll be hopefully uh, ironing down and nailing down um, who might be co-hosting, whether that's one person or a series of guest hosts um, and uh, possibly doing some interviews. So if anybody's got any ideas uh, about who they think would be interesting for us to talk to, uh or think that they themselves would be interesting to talk to you, then uh, drop me a line at uh, givingthought at cafonline.org. Um, uh, check out um, uh, me on Twitter at rodri underscore h underscore davis. Um, check out the Giving Thought section of the CAF website. Uh, and as ever, there will be links to lots of relevant blogs and other bits of, uh, of guff um, in the show notes to this episode. Um, so for now, I think that's all, and I'll see you next time. Bye.